Chapter Five of the Emancipation of South America by Bartolome Mitre, translated by William Pilling. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Piotr Natter. Chapter Five, Upper Peru, eighteen fourteen. The military policy of the United Provinces had three distinct ends. First, to construct a new nation within the geographical limits of the old viceroyalty of the River Plate. Second, to aid in the establishment of other South American nations, who would be their natural allies. And third, to carry their arms beyond their frontiers for the removal of obstacles to their expansion. Hence the expedition to Paraguay and Montevideo, the aid given to the insurgents in Chile, and the war waged with the Viceroyalty of Peru. The Army of the North, as the embodiment of this threefold policy, was styled the Auxiliary Army of Peru, and its mission was to incorporate the provinces of Upper Peru as a portion of the old Viceroyalty, to capture Lima, the center of Spanish power in South America, and to bring Lower Peru into an alliance similar to that already contracted with Chile. For four years Upper Peru had been the battlefield of the patriots and royalists. It was now completely in the power of the latter. The four provinces known as Upper Peru are shut in by mountain ranges and have no fluvial communication with either ocean. Situate within the tropics, their high tablelands and intervening valleys furnish at once examples of perpetual winter and perpetual spring, and yield all the natural products of the globe. Upper Peru is divided by two spurs from the Andes into three districts. The western range runs parallel to the Pacific Ocean from the desert of Atacama, which is a high tableland, to the first valleys of lower Peru on the coast, cutting off an arid and thinly peopled district. The central plain, well peopled but inclement, is the natural road from the Argentine Republic to lower Peru, and was the theatre of operations during the preceding campaigns. The eastern range, with lofty peaks covered with perpetual snow, looks down upon a truly intertropical paradise. At its foot extends to the west the smiling valley of Hrisa, where stands the city of Cochabamba, with easy access over the hills to the central plateau and to Chiquisaca by valleys on the southeast. Behind Cochabamba, and to the east of the range, lies the Valle Grande, which collects the mountain streams and delivers them to the Amazon. More to the northeast lies Santa Cruz de la Sierra, in the midst of a vast grassy plain, which slopes gradually away to the confines of Brazil, Paraguay, and the Argentine Chaco. The social organization of Upper Peru was a continuation of the system of the Incas, complicated by the antagonism of races. Europeans had established themselves in six cities, whose former inhabitants, driven out to the ice-covered hills or to the torrid valleys, worked as serfs for their lords and masters, as cultivators of the soil, or as miners. The lower class in these cities consisted of half-breeds, and formed the greater part of the population. All the rest of the country was peopled exclusively by two indigenous races who paid a capitation tax and had no civil rights. The language of the conquerors was unintelligible to the mass of the people. In this country the first rebellion against the domination of Spain was quenched in blood in 1809, but news of the revolution of Buenos Aires in 1810 rekindled the smoldering embers. 
The movement was supported by Argentine troops under Balcarce, who won the first victory of the war at Suipacha, but was afterwards totally defeated on the Desaguadero. The Patriots of Cochabamba, being thus left alone, fought another battle by themselves at Sipe Sipe on the 13th of August, 1811, but were defeated. The repulse of the second invasion under Belgrano in 1813 was another great disappointment to them, but still the spirit of the people was not crushed. There was, however, no cohesion among them. They had the courage to resist and to die on the field of battle or on the scaffold, but they were unable to concert any plan of action. Thus, these successive disasters greatly weakened the ties which bound them to the patriots of Buenos Aires, but vain were the efforts of the Spaniards to overcome the passive resistance of the people. Heads of rebels were exposed along the public roads. The properties of such as had fled were confiscated and sold. Towns were sacked. Military commissions terrorized the country. Prisoners taken in the last campaign were sold as slaves to the owners of the vineyards and plantations of Peru. But still, insurrectionary movement constantly broke out. Even the Indians, armed with nothing more than clubs, slings, and arrows, braved death with the utmost stoicism, certain that they would be avenged. The Spanish general, unable either to retreat or to advance, established his headquarters at Tupiza, and while a portion of his army kept open communications in the rear, his vanguard advanced to Salta, constantly harassed by the country people who rose in arms on the retreat of the patriot army to tucuman the army which had twice defeated the armies of the united provinces was almost entirely composed of natives of the highlands of lower peru they were men inured to hardships and privations untiring on the march faithful to their flag obedient to their officers and undaunted under fire they were half-breeds who spoke the same language as the people of the country in which they fought the climate of this country was the same as that of their own and they were accustomed to the peculiar requirements of mountain warfare all this gave them great advantage over the argentine troops on that field of action and the remembrance of defeats disheartened the patriot army belgrano after the rout of Ayauma, had left Colonel Don Juan Antonio Alvarez de Arenales as governor of Cochabamba, and commandant of the Patriot forces in the rear of the enemy, and Colonel Don Ignacio Warnes as governor of Santa Cruz de la Sierra, under the orders of Arenales. Only men of their stamp could have undertaken the desperate enterprise of keeping alive the flames of insurrection in the mountains of Upper Peru after such disasters arenales is one of the most extraordinary characters of the argentine revolution born in spain and educated in buenos aires he embraced with ardor the american cause and took a prominent part in the insurrection at chiquisaca in eighteen o nine taken prisoner he was sent to peru and remained in the casemates of callao till set at liberty by the cortes of cadiz in eighteen twelve at the time of the battle of tucuman he was in salta and there headed a patriotic movement which was immediately quelled previous to the battle of salta he had joined the army of belgrano and accompanied it to upper peru to austere manners tenacity of purpose and untiring activity he added the virtues of a good citizen 
great talents as an administrator, inflexible will, and a brain fertile in warlike stratagems. His face never displayed any signs of either pleasure or pain, and his stern look and voice, joined to this lion-like head, marked him as one born to command, but under all lay a warm heart, more anxious to the right than to win glory. Warnes was of English descent, but was born in Buenos Aires, and in 1807 he had distinguished himself in defense of his native city. San Martin, on learning from Belgrano the character of Arenales, at once opened communications with him, and on two occasions sent him arms and ammunition with officers to aid him in his operations. While Belgrano was in Upper Peru, Colonel Landivar, a Spaniard, was made prisoner at Santa Cruz de la Sierra. The man had been one of the most merciless agents of Goyenche, and was kept for trial by the general, quote, not for having fought against our system, but for the murders, robberies, burnings, violences, extortions, and other excesses perpetrated by him in contravention of the laws of war. End quote. It was proved that he executed fifty-four prisoners of war, whose heads and arms had been cut off and nailed to posts on the public roads. The accused alleged that he had only ordered the execution of thirty-three individuals, and that in obedience to express orders from Goyenche, which he produced in evidence. The defense was ably conducted by an officer of the grenadiers, who pleaded that the prisoner, having acted only in obedience to the orders of the superior, could not be looked upon as other than a prisoner of war. The court pronounced sentence of death which sentence was laid before San Martin on the 13th of January, 1814, who at once signed it without consulting government. This trial gives an idea of the mode in which the war was waged in Upper Peru. The cruelties of the Spaniards produced reprisals on the part of the insurgents, which so filled the land with bloodshed that, quote, the inhabitants looked calmly upon these scenes. No one hesitated to risk his own life and all sought to shed the blood of those of the other party. Such was the war into the which Arenales now entered as leader of the fifth insurrection of Cochabamba. The royalist army being in possession of the central plateau, the position of Arenales at Cochabamba was untainable, but the road by the Valle Grande was open to him. He could join Juarnes at Santa Cruz de la Sierra and communicate with the Argentine provinces by the Chaco, and from Santa Cruz he could march over well-wooded plains to Chiquisaca. On the 29th of November he commenced his retreat with sixty musketeers, four small guns, a few cavalry, and a crowd of countrymen armed with clubs and slings, who covered his flanks and rear. In the valley of Misque he attempted to make a stand, but was forced across the Cordillera to the headwaters of the eastern streams. Overtaken at Chian, he beat off his pursuers and reached the Valle Grande, where he recruited his forces, forming an infantry battalion of 165 men and two squadrons of cavalry, and was joined by some guerrilla chiefs. The insurrection spread, and Pezuela dispatched Colonel Blanco with 600 men and three light guns to subdue it. On his march, Blanco met with six heads nailed to posts, a gauge of defiance from the guerrillas who swarmed in the adjacent valleys. On the 4th of February, the two armies met. 
the Patriots had at first the advantage, till a part of their raw troops were seized with panic. The Royalists captured their guns and remained masters of the field. Blanco shot his prisoners and cut off the heads of three leaders, after which he retreated to Chillán for reinforcements. Arenales retreated to the frontier of Santa Cruz, taking his arms and spare ammunitions with him on muleback. Reinforced by Warnes, he halted at Abapo on the Rio Grande, and in March had 204 infantry and four small guns. Warnes refused to recognize his authority and took up a position for himself at Orcas with a thousand men, advancing his outposts to Herradura and Petacas, passes of the Cordillera, considered impregnable, as they were nothing more than flights of stairs cut in the sides of the mountain. At the same time, the Indians of the Chaco, along the banks of the river of Pilcomayo, rose up in favor of the Patriots. Guerilla chiefs aroused a part of the province of La Plata, and the towns in Blanco's rear were again in insurrection. Pezuela dispatched Colonel Benavente with 500 men against this new insurrection, but in spite of sundry advantages gained by both columns, Benavente was so weakened that he was soon reduced to inaction, and Blanco, whose troops suffered greatly from fever, was forced to evacuate the Valle Grande early in April and retreat to Misque. Arenales, while encamped at Tumina, received information that Blanco, resuming the offensive, had forced the passes of Herradura and Petacas, and had dispersed the division under Warnes. He at once marched towards the scene of action, and met Warnes at the head of only three hundred men. The latter, learning wisdom by his reverses, placed himself under his orders. Blanco had in the meantime taken the city of Santa Cruz, and was now coming in search of them with six hundred men, of whom one half were regular infantry. On the 24th of May the Royalists came in sight, and the Patriots retreated by a narrow defile, leaving a small party to draw on the enemy. At dawn on the 25th they reached the town of La Florida, on the river Pirai. Arenales took up a position on the right of this small river, in an open space where the bank was about two yards high. Below the river spread out, while in front lay a wide plain. His flanks were protected by dense brushwood. The town was behind him. He planted his guns on the open, placed his cavalry in ambuscade on each flank, with Warnes in command on the right and De La Riva on the left. At the foot of the bank he opened a trench, concealed by sand and brushwood, where he stationed his infantry, kneeling, and awaited the attack. His entire force numbered about eight hundred men. Just before noon, the same day, a dropping fire was heard in the woods in front. It came from the outposts, who were retreating before the enemy. Soon after that, the royalist column debouched from the wood, preceded by skirmishers. Blanco drew up his men on the plain, with strong cavalry reserves on the flanks, and opened fire with his four-pounders. Then, as the infantry advanced firing, the Patriot guns opened upon them. When the skirmishers entered the river, the entrenched infantry poured in a volley, and, springing from their shelter, charged through the smoke with such impetuosity that, aided by the cavalry on the left, they completely routed the enemy. Colonel Blanco remaining dead upon the field. 
Arenales headed the pursuit in person, with so little caution that he was attacked by a group of fugitives, who left him for dead, with fourteen wounds, three of them in the face. His men rushed in and saved him, carrying him on their shoulders back to the camp. Two flags, two guns, two hundred muskets, one hundred killed, and ninety-nine prisoners were the trophies of this victory, while the patriots lost only one man killed and twenty-one wounded, including their leader. Such was the action of La Florida, which saved Santa Cruz de la Sierra and compelled the retreat of the royalist army from Salta. It gives the name of one of the principal streets of Buenos Aires, for it arenales was raised to the rank of general and a badge of honor was decreed to the troops engaged arenales was no sooner well of his wounds than he marched with his division and reoccupied the valle grande routing a royalist force of two hundred men at postrer valle on the fourth of july but was on the fifth of august himself defeated at sumapaita afterwards reinforced by padilla with a body of indian slingers he forced benavente to retreat from tomina and again reoccupied the valle grande eighteen months he maintained this extraordinary war at the cost to the enemy of thirteen hundred men killed wounded and missing entering cochabamba at last in triumph and joining the argentine army with twelve hundred men over the vast plains of la plata the revolutionary spirit has spread almost unopposed but where mountain ranges marked out the limits of upper peru the movement could only advance by force of arms the map of the old viceroyalty did not coincide with that of the social revolution of the united provinces upper peru had been the high road from buenos aires to lima in time of peace it now remained for san martin to decide whether the same road was strategically the proper road to lima or not in time of war End of chapter five